Hello, my name is Matt Gardner for the Electric Soil podcast, as well as the 10 albums, the soundtrack of your life podcast. Today in studio, I have a very special guest with a very special announcement. His name is John Morgan. And as of today, June 1st, John Morgan has announced his candidacy for the City Council of Treaty 6 Territory. A little background on the man himself. John is a frontline public servant, a community leader and volunteer, a board member, coach, mentor, father, and family man. John lives in Ward E.P. Kokani Pitsu. He has a strong ties with the city and community, he does volunteer work for the Community League Movement, community soccer, homeless charities, while spending the last 14 years working on the front lines in the transit department for the city of Edmonton. John lives with his wife, Amanda, of 16 years, with their two sons. John is championing a grassroots progressive community response to common challenges with a bold and exciting platform prioritizing people. As mentioned, John will be running for Ward E.P. Kokani Pitsu in South Edmonton, Treaty 6 Territory, where he lives. Welcome to the show, John, and thanks for uh, choosing my studio to help get the word out. Thanks so much, Matt. Really appreciate being here. Awesome. Just a little brief background on you and myself. Uh, so I moved to Edmonton in 2001, and uh, within two days of moving to Edmonton, I, I answered a uh, Musicians Wanted ad that was in the back of C Magazine, and it was actually John was on the other line there, and uh, they had just had a band member drop out of their band, and they actually had some shows booked still. So I ended up uh, jamming with you guys, I think within a couple of days of me actually moving to Edmonton, and we were playing a show at the old Fox and Hounds, which anybody that remembers where that is, it's, uh, it's uh, 109th Street and Jasper Ave, so I think it's, um, it's the pint now. And uh, yeah, we were playing a show together within, uh, I want to say within 10 days of meeting each other, I think even. Within 10 days? It was, <laughs> I, I, it was, it was very quickly. Like you guys had a couple shows booked and yeah, yeah, like I was maybe, I think we had a couple practices and it, seemed, it felt like maybe, you know, 10 days, two weeks kind of thing yeah. before we were, we were playing. So I think we really hit it off actually. Yeah, <laughs> right away, <so>. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of, anybody that, uh, yeah, I think we, we were kind of doing like a psychedelic you know, jazzy kind of, uh, grunge sort of, uh, meld, I guess with it, with our band there. So yeah, a little bit of background uh, about, uh, you know, how you and I met, but, uh, we're here to talk about you. So, uh, I guess just a little bit, uh, you know, gave a little background on you, but, uh, let's get back into, um, I guess sort of the path that uh, has led you to this point in time. So we're going to talk about uh, just some personal topics here, uh, just early life. So I guess, where were you born and raised and, uh, and when did you uh, end up in, in Alberta specifically? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, I was uh, originally uh, born in 82 in, uh, in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, lived in a number of, uh, number of cities growing up, uh, Chicago, Niagara Falls, um, Waterloo, Ontario, Toronto. And then in uh, 96, we moved out to uh, Alberta, to small town Alberta, Devon, Alberta, on an acreage. Nice. Yeah. Okay. It's, and uh, I guess nobody will hold that against you. It's uh, you, you are being honest now. You're, you're an Ontario guy, but you've been <laughs> in, in Alberta for most of your formative years anyways. Absolutely. Yeah. 25 years now in, in Alberta and 20 years or so in, uh, in Edmonton uh, specifically. So the nice. uh, majority of my life here now. So, And I, I want to get a little bit into, uh, I guess, your, your upbringing as well. You had sort of a unique uh, family situation uh, with your with specifically with your parents, if you want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, my, my parents, uh, mother and father uh, divorced. Uh, when I was really young, like before I remember, and uh, and uh, probably about ten years old, my my mother came out uh, as lesbian uh, and uh, told me she had a uh, had a partner. Uh, so so yeah, we uh, yeah, I was about ten years old then, I guess, and 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 kind of grew up with uh, having that second mother uh, figure in my life as well. So um, and and moved out here to 
to Edmonton with that family. So. Gotcha. And I mean, that's, uh, you know, what, what year would that have been? Cause that was definitely, you know, a little, little bit ahead of the curve as far as just, uh, you know, being sort of accepted in with that, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, with that, you know, the community and so forth, right. Like a little bit ahead of its time for sure. Even just like parents getting divorced. I mean, it's, it's pretty regular now, but like, yeah, so that was kind of a, definitely a different thing for you to have, uh, had, had to gone through at the, at that time, I would assume. I had a lot of fears, uh, especially moving to, uh, to rural Alberta. Especially, you know, just kind of the, the stigma and the, um, you know, just the, I didn't really know what to expect when, uh, we moved out here cause we were in pretty, uh, urban, urban Ontario where it was a little more, uh, you know, acceptable and, and kind of mainstream, but, um, yeah, no, coming out, uh, and, and, you know, telling friends about that, it was kind of a nice, uh, surprise actually of how welcoming, uh, Albertans and, and, and people my age were, uh, families for the most part. So, um. It's been good. It's been really good. That's, that's good. Yeah. So let's get in a little bit into your, uh, your public servant career. Uh, so like we mentioned, you've been doing, uh, working for the city of Edmonton for 14 years. So pretty good stint there for you. Uh, and you are a transit operator. Uh, I guess, yeah, just talk a little bit about that, especially, um, I mean, obviously we'll get into the last, uh, you know, year and a half specifically, obviously the challenges that you've had with that, but, um, yeah, just talk a little bit about that, like your, uh, your, your 14 years as a tra- uh, transit operator. Well, so yeah, I've, I've been with the city of Edmonton for 14 years now, and uh, we're looking now, obviously, to take that next step. But uh, I've, I've worked as an operator, uh, both bus and train. I've uh, worked as a dispatcher, I've worked as superintendent, and my current role is actually LRT inspector um, before stepping away from that for, for this election here. So um, yeah, I've been working front lines, uh, you know, learning the city, uh, serving, serving the people and, uh, and keeping the system going, especially during COVID. So, and yeah, I, I think on behalf of a lot of, a lot of folks that have been still using, uh, you know, the LRT and, uh, and the transit, you know, thank you for, for all the, your, all that you've done and all that your team has done. Cause, uh, you know, you, to keeping that aspect of things going for the city has been huge. So thank you for your uh, participation with that very much. Oh, absolutely. For sure. So what were some of the challenges that you did find, uh, with, with COVID coming up? I mean, you know, so many people, I, I guess you almost kind of take for granted when you're not in the situation that you guys are in, but, uh, can you explain a little bit of some of the, the, you know, the immediate challenges and the ongoing challenges that you guys have had as a team for the past, you know, 15, 16 months? Sure. Yeah. Well, as, as you know, and as probably Edmonton, Edmontonians know, uh, the city of Edmonton is, uh, you know, responded to, um, to the current pandemic in, in some, some pretty good ways. Uh, Edmonton Transit in particular has been, uh, you know, been able to keep it going, keep the trains on the tracks and, and the buses out there. And, uh, but there is, there is increased, uh, increased stress, uh, both to our customers and, uh, and the people we serve and, and to the employees as well. So it's, it's, um, it's been a bit of a challenge, you know, is you're trying to, um, keep that system going, but also, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing an increase in, in desperation, of, uh, of some of the clients, anxiety, stress, um, and, and as operators too, I think, and, and frontline staff, you know, you're also kind of seeing that as well. Um, you know, trying to, trying to keep that, that system rolling, but also trying to, um, avoid getting COVID yourself and, and seeing that, uh, seeing that increased stress too, which can kind of play to your, um, to your emotions, so your, to your stress levels as well. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, just the fact that there is always that sort of COVID, if nothing else in the background, even if you can kind of put it, uh, you know, 
to the you know to the to the background it's still it's still always there it's just kind of that ever-present kind of like i guess threat or just extra level or layer of stress that everybody has to deal with but especially for you guys that are yeah exactly it's it's you know, uh, you know, just another layer onto what you guys have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? Absolutely, and absolutely. It's, uh, so. I, it's fascinating you mentioned too, because you do see, uh, you know, I guess all, all um, you know, all different uh types of people, whether it's like business people or just, uh, you know, people kind of coming and going, you get, uh, the full gamut of, uh, of personalities, I guess, coming through transit as well. So like when you're mentioning, you definitely see a little bit more of desperation on some people. And so, yeah, you kind of see almost that extreme side of different people's moods and just kind of how they're handling it too. So I think the accumulation of stress has got to be, you know, is is yeah has got a got a wear on you guys well with, with covid it, it really covid's really exasperated some of the problems we've had and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on but um you know it, it's uh it's really shown that um that that disparity and the people that are you know that are that are out there you know especially you know the the homeless the unhoused the houseless um they've had to you know they're they're out there. There there's in, increase in them uh, because of job loss or or whatever, and uh, and kind of transit picks up a lot of that mm. um, that slack, right? So sure. And and what are they supposed to do, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. So it's uh, you know without without proper supports, that's kind of where they find themselves. So yeah. Uh, no, we'll definitely uh, like you say we'll definitely circle back to that the homelessness and and so forth. Uh, let's get a, a little bit into uh, your community leadership. So uh, we talked a little bit about uh, you. So you're doing some uh, some soccer coaching. You're also the president of the uh, the Heritage Point Community League. Uh, yeah, just uh, just give us a little uh, a little background on some of the community work that you're doing. Yeah. So I've I've, I've spent the last uh, year and a half or so as the president of the Community League uh, Heritage Point. Um, I've coached soccer in, in my community for five or six years now. Uh, community soccer. Uh, I've been previous president of uh, Montrose Community League up on the north side as well. So right. um, I believe in community. Yeah. Community's been been huge. I, I think there's uh, there's so much potential in volunteerism and um, making community connections. That uh, you know, I just I want to be a part of that and 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 help lead uh, lead some of the the good work that uh, gets done. Right. So uh, with Heritage Point. Uh, you know, I, I just came on as president as, as this pandemic uh, started mm. coming coming online. Wow. And uh, we kind of, you know, you have some regular sort of programming and events and stuff that you do every year, right? But we had to pretty much uh, uh, change course uh, almost immediately mm. uh, to, to more pandemic response, you know, um, keeping people's spirits up, keeping uh, connections made, uh, serving, uh, serving the, the residents that we serve. And... Um, and kind of responding to their needs. So uh, that's kind of where, where we're at. And, and, you know, I said the community league continues to, uh, to do that. So. so, yeah, I mean, that's, wow, that's kind of a tough, I guess the, the fact that you did, like you, you mentioned the Montrose uh, Community League. So you did have some, uh, you know, some background knowledge as far as facilitating, you know, uh, what a community league can bring to the community that's based in. But man, that's quite a, quite a hot seat to put yourself in right away. Like, you know, to, to start off with the heritage point and just immediately you got to almost act in a completely different way than anything that you've been used to. Right. So. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but you kind of, you know, as, as you're serving in that, in, in that capacity, you got to, uh, kind of move with the times and, and kind of what's going on right there. Right. So, I mean, and at the same time, you know, give your, give the people, uh, you know, that kind of rely on you the sense of, uh, normalcy too. Right. So, um, absolutely. you know, that's part of the kind of the mental health, uh, thing that's part of, uh, you know, eventual recovery too, you know, being that kind of that stable rock, um, that people rely on. So. So you kind of mentioned a little bit about, uh, you know, the opportunities that there are in, in communities. Can you elaborate a little bit on that as far as what you mean? Uh, whether it's like more people stepping up to being volunteers or what exactly do you mean by these potentials? Well, like what do you see as potential in your, the particular community uh, and community league that you're in currently? I think, and, and I think this goes for, you know, community leagues and, and communities across the city, right? There's, there's so much... Um, you know, interest and, and, and volunteerism and, and kind of contributing. And I think, you know, with the, with the city, you know, facing some hard, hard, um, hard times financially coming up here, uh, because of the pandemic, because of the, uh, you know, the economic uncertainty, I think that, uh, there could be some opportunity there to, to really, um, you know, help communities have some little bit of self-determination in terms of like programming. We do a lot of programming in, in community centers across the city, right? We have these big community centers, Twilliger and, and Kinsman and, and Clareview um, that, you know, run more than just sports uh, programs and more than swimming and more than, uh, you know, rec stuff. But there's also, um, you know, like arts programs. Uh, my kid was in drama at Twilliger there for a bit. Um, uh, so there's, there's some, some programs that community leagues can kind of take on. Communities know what they want, right? And they know what they need. You got people that are in the community running community leagues. Um, and, and so they, they know what's, what the people are needing, right? So I think there's, there's opportunity with maybe increased funding or, um, increased, uh, city support, mm. uh, to kind of run these, uh, these programs within the community itself, right? So, uh, empowering, empowering those, those members, those community leagues, those, um, those, uh, programs and, and. Huh groups so well, that makes sense yeah uh so in your as a as a soccer coach there as i are both your uh both your kids in soccer they they have been pre-covid pre-covid okay. they're both in soccer and, and yeah. so that was a really good opportunity for me to kind of spend some time with them and doing yeah. something that they're interested in right you know hanging with their friends and and kind of to- teaching them some skills and yeah. uh and uh you know just in general having fun so absolutely were you a soccer player growing up you know i i was i was one of the, you know, one of the kids that you'd find uh, picking uh, grass and flowers and dandelions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. But yeah. uh, but here you are coaching soccer. So yeah. Me- meanwhile, while you were uh, picking dandelions, you were you were watching all the soccer's soccer yeah, players. You no, know, picking played. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. Nice. Picking up as much as I could. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, and uh, yeah, I guess so. I want to just get into a little bit of like some of the values and you know pillars that you might be uh, using in your. Uh, in your, uh, you know, running for city council here. So some of your campaigning topics, uh, we obviously, we talked a little bit about community. Uh, also, I'd like to definitely get into uh, a little bit more of the, just talking about uh, the homelessness as well. I know for a fact, uh, just uh, me working at, um, at a local grocery store in town here, uh, we've had a fairly good partnership with, um, with the whole stuff a bus uh, you know, at Christmas time with, uh, with uh, Edmonton uh, Public Transit and all that. Obviously, it was a little bit different this year, but um, let's just talk yeah, a little bit about, uh, about that. I know that's going to be a big uh, sort of pillar for you, uh, you know, moving forward. Uh, just to talk a little bit about the homelessness. Uh, Absolutely. You know, let's talk about it. So they, um, 
you know, I, I talk about that that transit being that that catch-all for 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 those that are unhoused right now. And uh, honestly, I mean, I'm out there every day. I'm out downtown. I, I we're we're all seeing it, right? So we're seeing an increase in in you know in in those in that population in that community. Uh, seeing more tents out there, um, and and more kind of uh, you know people in kind of vulnerable and desperate situations, right? So uh, it's it's really honestly just a failure on our on our leadership on on you know how we how we work with these people and, and treat these people and and what we expect from them i think um you know it's i'm you can't blame these people for being in intense um and and kind of on the streets uh there's you know there's there's a variety of of issues there um that uh that are almost impossible to overcome without kind of you know, in trying to empower. Uh, so I, I kind of think I, last summer we had the the Pekiwin, uh camp downtown, and that was a, a camp of about I don't know, a couple hundred people there. Uh, a lot of what was going on there was was empowerment, was that community, that was people that were, um, you know, looking out for each other and looking out for themselves, um, and kind of reclaiming some of the land, uh, and and really trying to, you know, make some sort of like community for themselves. Right. So, uh, they've, they had security, their own security, they had their own food, uh, station set up. They had first aid, um, and they were kind of making a go of it. Right. So, uh, they, the city in, in concern for their, you know, for the winter months and the cold and stuff, uh, decided to move, uh, them to the Edmonton Event Center, and now the the place is fenced off, right? So I see a couple issues there. I see that moving them to the uh, Edmonton Event Center is uh, kind of, in my eyes, a way to shuffle these people off, hide them, and mm. uh, and it doesn't really address the issues. I, I don't see them. Big part of this is is empowering people, right? And in, if you're you're telling people to move somewhere, you're not empowering them, right? And so how do you when you when you get told to do something? versus given the option to be able to, you know, go there yourselves or ask what you need mm. to to get out of that um, situation. Which, I mean, again, ideally, we don't want to have people living in tents on the streets, right? We don't want that. In, in it, and it's a it's a problem that's it's kind of across North America right now uh, in, in all of our major cities, right? But you don't want people living in tents because that's, you know, it's not... A, it's not a, it's not good for them and it's not good for, you know, the community in general, right? You want people to be safe, um, and, and empowered and, and, you know, have, have some sort of, uh, you know, some, some security, right? So, but, but just me telling them or the city telling them or the province telling them that, you know, you, you can't be here, you're going to have to go over here is, it's just further trauma, right? Further, uh, yeah. No, I can see what you're saying with that. Yeah, sure. Right. So yeah. and and so you get you got a place that that was a park that's all fenced off. There's nobody in it. So and then you got the Edmonton Event Center, which was uh, honestly just a temporary solution. It's not a permanent solution. You, these people aren't housed, um, and and now they've been shuffled off again to wherever. Right? They've been kicked out of there. So the problem still remains. Right? So we're not we're not dealing with the problem with the underlying problem. Um, and, and kind of giving these people self-determination, dealing with the root causes of, of, of homelessness and, and addiction and, uh, you know, mental health. Um, so 
I, I, I think there's out of that, getting out of that is, is a, a multi-year, uh, multi-step solution uh, that, that really needs to involve the, the unhoused, the homeless, the, the houseless population, and, and, and really looking at what they need, what they want, um, and, and without that further traumatization. No, that's, that's big. I, I, you've talked a few times, uh, in our conversation so far, just about mental health, just as being a big thing, uh, in your eyes, I guess, just as far as like, just dealing with people, I just, uh, you know, mental health, as far as just, you know, the, this, everybody go, everybody in the city kind of going through the summer traumatic time as well with uh, the pandemic and all that. What, uh, how important is, I guess, is mental health to you on sort of a personal uh, level like uh, it seems obviously it just seems like a recurring theme of, of a couple uh, different uh, subjects that you've uh, mentioned it uh, what can you tell us about this mental health the, your view on it and how important is it uh, you know for for you when you're dealing with with people sure yeah well obviously right now during COVID it's been it's been huge right so it's been huge for the front line it's been huge for people staying at home it's been huge for the houseless and the homeless population it's been huge for everybody, right? So, and I come from a from a frontline perspective with transit. I've seen seen the troubles that we're facing, right? So, I've seen the 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 struggles and the stress and the anxiety that our frontline is facing. That's and that's transit, that's EMS, that's police, that's fire, um, that's hospitals, that's grocery store workers. Everybody, right? Everybody that's still on the job right now yeah. is facing so much more than than what most of us signed up for, right? And um, but I mean, again, people at home too, you know, that there's, we're suffering a lot of grief. We're suffering a lot of loss, mm-hmm. um, of what, of what, um, what we used to know and, uh, and you know, the people that we've lost too. Right. So, uh, there's that aspect as well. So, but, um, sorry, I don't know where I was going with this now, but, uh, <laughs> no, it's like, I, I think I, I get what you're mean. Like I, it's, it's fascinating to think how we're going to be able to come out of like as a city. And just as a country and as, as a, as a world coming out of this, like whenever it does get to the point where it's kind of back to whatever normal may be coming out of this, I think there's going to be a lot of weight still being carried by a lot of people that might still have to kind of come to the surface a bit. Right. Like I, I just, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about like, yeah, the, the whole mental health. I think, I think we'll be seeing it, the, yeah. the effects from this for, for years to come. I would years. think so too. And I'm glad that you mentioned like, you you know, I, I think you have a unique perspective being a frontline worker. Uh, but you also, I mean, you see, being a frontline worker, you're also seeing all the different, uh, sort of classes of our populations that, that are out there. So you have a unique perspective in the sense that you can kind of see everybody is going through this in, in one fashion or another. Right. And it all does come down to like the, you know, the mental health aspect and, you know, it's wearing on everybody, whether you're, you're sa- safely at home, uh, but there's still stuff to deal with there too, right? And, or your front line and you're being exposed to it every day. So yeah, just kind of interesting. I, I appreciate your uh, your well-rounded perspective on it. So I just wanted to kind of talk to... Well, I, I think, of... I th- and, and we'll talk about policing a little bit later, but I think there's, there's the right person for the right job, right? Mm-hmm. So as a transit worker, you're not really, you're not really um, prepared to, uh, to see this, this, this greater influx of... Uh, of, of homelessness and, 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 you know, I step over when I was at, when I was working still, and I'm, I'm away from that job now right now, but, uh, you know, you see an increase in, in that desperation, you know, uh, people sleeping on the floor, needles, feces, 
stuff like that on the system, right? So um, that's not something that I, I know how to make sure the trains go back and forth. That's my job, right? So, right. Um, and I, I have, I like to think I have compassion and empathy and um, understanding, but I, that's not my job, right? And, and, you know, for me to call police to deal with that stuff or, or peace officers, it's not really in their scope either, right? So it's, it's more of a... Um, you know, we, we need we need those supports, those mental health uh, workers, those social workers. We need we need supports that that deal with these root causes. And as I said, that step that like that sort of uh, that multi-year, multi-step uh, plan that that works with with people. Um, uh, so, but all that stuff again that contributes to my to my mental health. That contributes to the mental health of the ridership. That inclu- that contributes to you know the mental health of our our operators, right? And again. Yeah. Um, and you want everybody to feel safe. You want those people to feel safe and you want the people that are, you know, that are houseless and homeless to feel safe as well. So, um, it's, it's such a kind of, uh, you know, multi, multi-level issue. Yeah. Um, a delicate balance to make sure all those are kind of, you know, getting the support they need. Right? Yeah. Cause oftentimes it'll be like, oh, one else kind of sag. It's like the, the whack-a-mole game, you know, the, you know, there's one, you, you solve one thing over here and then another one kind of comes up. Right. So there's a, you know, the degree of that as well. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, just like uh, one last, uh, one of your campaigning topics that we might want to get into is uh, just the, uh, policing. Did you want to get into that right now? Uh, yeah, please. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. So, um, yeah, so I, I touched on a little bit, right. So it, there is a, um, that that defund the police movement. There is there's been a lot of talk um, from uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, and, and kind of questioning the uh, the the role of police in our society, right? And so and I I work alongside them with, with transit. I work alongside police. Uh, we've we've had police out on the system quite a bit uh, pre COVID, during COVID. Um, I think a big thing for police is is, is that we really need to be looking at what role do they, what role do they play in, in, in this, right? And I think policing in general is a reactive sort of solution to our problems. So mm-hmm. we want police to come in and protect us and save us. And, and I think there is a role for that, uh, especially, you know, in, in kind of, you know, when they're, when something is, is going on that's maybe violent or whatever, but I, I, I really like to see a, a refocus that's not, that doesn't traumatize uh, already kind of marginalized and vulnerable people. Because um, there is that history there, right? So, the, you know, there's a history with, uh, with our indigenous population, with um, sort of our, our other marginalized uh, populations with, with policing it historically, right? So we want to, you know, shift, shift the focus of police to, you know, where they're really needed, where they're really trained for, and less on on some of these uh, issues that could be better resolved at the community level. So I see, I see. I was at a I was at a march the other day for um, for the red the red dress march, and uh, providing security for that was the uh, the crazy Indian Brotherhood, and and there was a couple of incidents there where there was uh, some mental health uh, problems with some of some attend a couple of attendees. Uh, that were that were houseless as well, and uh, and and the way they solved this issue was much more compassionate, much more empathetic. Uh, didn't re-traumatize these people that had, you know, obvious mental health uh, mental health issues. Uh, so I, I see that there's 
you know, a kind of a, a role for that, those community members that know what it's like being out there, mm. that are part of the community. Um, you know, whether that's whether that's that group or or Bear Clan Patrol or, um, you know, other other kind of mental health uh, social worker um, supports, right, out there that uh, that are kind of suited for that job and, and know that job, right? So I'd like to get us away from this this punitive measure where we're always, you know, using force and using punishment uh, and being reactive. So and so there's that 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 kind of that that response, but then there's also the, you know, the response to why are these people, you know, having issues out there, right? What are, what are the issues and how can we kind of empower them to get out of that, that life, right? So. I like that. This is uh, part one uh, today with John Morgan. My name is Matt Gardner for Electric Soil Podcast, and we'll be back at you with uh, part two right away. 